Hello, and welcome to Sounds from the Shelves podcast. I'm Mika. I'm Sarah. I'm Lee. Today we're going to talk about summer reading. Yay! That's right. It's the delightful time of year when the school is ending and all the parents are starting to wonder how they can occupy their children all summer long. So with us today to talk about summer reading, we have a guest. Woohoo! Yay, guys! Her name is Nissa, and I'm going to let Nissa introduce herself. Hi. I'm Nissa. I work for the county library uh, as a library program manager. What does a library program manager do? I help plan events that take place all across the library. So if it's something that's happening at every library location, I or my team is involved in some way. Cool. All right. So let's talk about summer reading. So probably a lot of you have participated in summer reading in the past. It's one of the big programs we do every year. So what is summer reading? Anybody want to take that? I think Ness is the expert. I think she could she should take that one. I figured I'd be talking a lot, so <laughs> I was giving you all a chance. Uh, summer reading is what it sounds like. We want you to read over the summer and have fun. So summer reading is for all ages. It's not just for kids. It's for adults. It's for the babies. It's for the teens. And it's not just about reading either. Uh, it's about creating, learning, playing, connecting, as well as reading. Awesome. And why do we want people to participate in summer reading? Other than it's fun. That's the main reason. Yeah, we want to have fun. The other reason is to stay engaged over the summer. So the summer slide is a term that you may have heard a lot, and it refers to that time between when school lets out for the summer and kids go back to school in the fall, and their test grades may start at a certain level in the spring and then hit a lower level when they return in the fall. So summer reading is partly designed to keep those test levels not only steady, but actually to go up when people return to school in the fall. So it's to have fun, it's to connect, it's to get out of your house and discover your community and make some fun things, and to go back to school ready to learn again. I've got a question for Nissa. How did you become involved in summer reading? My job. Um, <laughs> I guess, like, what led you to this point in your job? Sure, yeah. So I started out as a librarian. I worked in Tucson, Arizona for a while and then came up to the county library system. Uh, worked again in branches for a while before I came behind the scenes. And I mean, I joke that it's part of my job, but it is one of those things that I felt passionate about for a long time. And when I found out it could be part of my job, I was just super excited about that. But although I am the spokesperson today and I'm often the face of summer reading with the, summer, with the county library, there's a ton of people behind the scenes who make it happen. So I should definitely give a shout out. Every year we have a library committee who helps come up with the prizes and 
and the various elements of summer reading. And we have a really dedicated marketing team who help create all the materials and get it all out for the public. So it's one of those things where many hands are involved, and we hope it's just a seamless, beautiful program that you all get to do every year. Awesome. I'll take the next question. What is the theme for summer reading this year, and how do themes get picked every year? Sure. So the theme this year is Oceans of Possibilities, which is fun. And I think you can look forward to seeing a lot of seahorses and sharks and jellyfish at libraries this summer. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And the theme gets chosen every year by a national organization, Collaborative Summer Library Program is a national organization and they get together and pick out themes years and years in advance and actually put it back out to libraries to vote and help come up with the slogans every year. So we participate as part of that. Cool. I'm actually really excited about the theme. I love the ocean and um, I just bought a bunch of stuff for uh, June and July. I'm doing guessing jars. So I bought a lot of seashells, a lot of sea animals. (laughs) That sounds like fun. Yeah. A lot of Swedish fish. (laughs) Yes. I feel like you can't do anything like ocean related without Swedish fish to eat. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're just, they're so good. I always keep a giant bag at home. Mm. It's my jam. (laughs) All right. Let's talk about how the summer reading program works. So say somebody wants to participate. What do they do? Normally in years past, I would say go to your local library, but this year you can actually sign up without ever even visiting a branch. It depends on what your preference is, whether you prefer to participate through the app or with a piece of paper. So if you are a paper person, and nothing wrong with that, uh, we especially encourage the little ones to get a piece of paper because it's great early learning skills to practice their writing as they mark off activities. Then come into a branch, talk to one of your friendly uh, library Uh, employees there and they will get you signed up for summer reading if you prefer to do things digitally you can go to our website slcolibrary.org or thecountylibrary.org the actual url will be thecountylibrary.org backslash summer and that'll take you to the summer reading web page and from there you can go to beanstack and sign up to participate online and when does that go live is it in june june 1st awesome So for those who have participated in summer reading in the past, what's different this year versus previous years, if anything? A lot of it will be the same. We, like I mentioned earlier, want people to read, learn, create, play, and connect all summer long. And if you finish our reading record, which will just depend on how you challenge yourself and how long it takes you to do that and how committed you are, If you finish that before July, we have an adventure game, and it's super fun. It may remind you of Candyland when you pick up the the adventure board. That design choice was deliberate, (laughs) Um, and it's, again, just a way to keep the summer reading fun going. So personally, I'm motivated by prizes. So what prizes are there for finishing summer reading? So when you finish summer reading, you get a free book which is always my favorite. Uh, But we also have some organizations that have contributed to coupons this year. So you'll get a buy one, get one free ticket to Tracy Aviary and Botanical Gardens. 
as well as a buy one get one free for Salt Lake County Parks and Recreation. And then we're really excited this year that Library Days at the Natural History Museum of Utah is coming back. So, yes, we're so excited. (laughs) So there will be two free days at the museum plus an adult-only night. So you can get a sitter for the kids or just go out and enjoy an adult-only evening. The adult-only evening one's the best one, in my opinion. Just makes it, like, a little more fun. And they give back room tours, and you get to meet the scientists. And so it's it's entrance to the museum plus a little extra. I like that. That's mm-hmm. awesome. And then every branch will have unique drawing prizes to their location. So just check with your local branch as to what your, your drawing prizes are there. We're going to have tickets to local attractions and gift cards and just some really awesome stuff. I know it's Sandy. We're putting together some gift baskets with stuff you can do in our create space. It should be really fun. <laughs> so everyone should go to Sandy is what you're saying. <laughs> not that you're biased. Yes. I mean, I'm not biased at all. I just work there. It's fun. I mean, you can come visit us at Magna, too. We're pretty cool. Or Kearns or any of the other awesome branches. Right. But, I mean, you should come visit us at Magna. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The big summer reading kickoff. Tell us a little bit about that. I know usually we have one big one, but now we're separating into smaller big kickoffs. So, yeah, talk about that a little bit. So, yeah, this year we're really excited. Last year and the year before, we did not have a kickoff because of the pandemic. So we're very excited to not only bring back one kickoff, but four kickoffs this year. So the decision to go from one kickoff to four is largely a decision of accessibility. We know that some people don't have transportation or find it difficult to get to a location that's far for them. So hopefully the four locations we've chosen are convenient no matter where you live in the in the valley. So we've got kickoff parties happening at our Mika. Sandy Branch. Whoop, whoop. And Kearns. <laughs> Not Magna. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, we've got Kearns and Sandy as well as Daybreak and Holiday. So like I said, uh, spread out throughout the system. And there's going to be food trucks. There's going to be entertainers. There will be crafts and games. We're being very intentional about having something for the whole family. So if you can talk that teen out of their bedroom for the night, um, not the night, for the morning. <laughs> oh, morning's going to be hard. <laughs> Just it's like it's food. There's food there. It's like late morning. It's okay. It's fine. 11 to 2. Oh, that's not bad. Even as a teenager, I was up at 11, so it's good. 11 to 2, Saturday, June 4th. Uh, at those four locations and you know something something for all ages as well as adults because they're included in that all ages. I know quite a few branches have gotten presenters. So I know at Magna we're going to have giant bubbles. We're going to have cold-blooded animals. I think ocean animal origami, which I'm excited about. I cannot fold paper to save my life, but I'm excited <laughs> to see what everyone else does because <laughs> it's so cool. But, yeah, I'm excited about that stuff. So, Yeah, I know Sandy has a lot of the presenters coming, too. We've, I think, one every Wednesday all summer long. So check your library's schedules of event. There's probably repeats. So if you miss it one place, you can go to another place. 
I know that there will be some lecture series around the Great Salt Lake as well as marine biology. So if you are tuned into our other virtual programs, uh, we're going to do one on the spiral jetty. We're going to do one on marine biology. And Mill Creek is hosting one at the Mill Creek Library on June 18th. So you could go check that out too. I really enjoy the lecture series. I'm, I'm glad that started. They're really awesome. And if you haven't checked them out, please check them out. Then I'm going to throw in one more question. This is for everyone, not just Nissa. What is your favorite memory about summer reading? I can start because it sounds like, it looks like <laughs> people are thinking. We're, we are thinking. <laughs> so I get the privilege of reading the public surveys that come back and people share their uh, stories from having participated in summer reading. And that is my favorite part of summer reading every year is when those surveys end up on my desk. And I have a few stories from those that are, they just stay with you. So every year we get a number of families who write in and say, I did this program with my two-year-old and my six-year-old and my 12-year-old and the six-year-old was motivating me and they were like, when are you going to finish this, mom? <laughs> I want to go to the library and get my prize. And then there's, you know, and then I read so much more to my two-year-old and I just love those stories because it demonstrates that the reading program is doing what we want it to do, which is to get families involved together. And that the most successful way to do the reading program is to do it as a family. So I'm, I'm constantly disabusing of the notion that it is just for kids or just for the little ones uh, and that adults should not be involved because the best way to do it is as a family. Last year, there was a comment of somebody who said, I'm a grandparent and I checked out books and read to my child through Zoom. And so you even get these stories of how it can bring families together intergenerationally and across distances. And then my absolutely favorite comment was somebody who said, I learned how to read reading to my two-year-old. Oh, I love that. I just got goosebumps. You know, we give guidelines, we give kind of this framework, and then we really give it out to let other people fill it in. And just seeing the various ways people do that. We had a teen who took a picture of their reading record last year and sent it in. And they had written down every single activity they had done. And it was everything from, like, I learned how to unclog a clogged drain with my dad. And I learned how to put together lawn furniture. And I went horseback riding and just... You know, the ways that she had interpreted learning and playing, it was so creative. And it just also demonstrates, like, I could brainstorm and our our committee could brainstorm all day long. And none of us is going to be like, go learn how to unclog a drain for summer reading. Um, but that is that is learning, right? And so when we say learn, it really is... It, it's not just book learning. It's It's learning life skills and... The story behind that story, you know, if you're reading between those lines, is she did this with her dad. And a lot of these were like, I did this with my dad. So all of those connections that you're making as a family as you do summer reading, that's my favorite part of summer reading are those stories and hearing about that and hearing how somebody takes something that we spend so long planning in the background and then 
interpreting it in these ways that I never envisioned in my office. Yes, everybody should learn how to unclog a clogged drain. (laughs) It's very important. It'll save your pipes. It's true. Yeah. Well, I'll go ahead and share my favorite summer reading memory, which feels really like trite compared to what Nissa just shared. I think it was my first summer working for the library, so I was still a shelver. Um, The other nighttime shelver and I were assigned one of the poles in the Sandy Library to decorate, Uh, and the thing that year was superheroes. And she and I made this really awesome Wonder Woman that went up on that pole. I still have a picture of it somewhere, and it was amazing. (laughs) And, like, more than even just it looking amazing, it was super fun that my coworker and I got to spend time doing that and decorating the library for everybody. So that's my favorite memory. I mean, we do cool stuff at the library. It's true. (laughs) And it's part of our job, so, yeah. There's always cool branch decorations. I love mm-hmm. seeing like what every different branch does. Yeah, and it it's so different and so unique. Yeah. My favorite memories from when I was a kid. So I talked about it, I think in the first episode. I lived behind the Columbus Library and I went to the library every single day. Um and I must have been mm, like 8 or 10, so this was like 20 years ago. I remember going to their like little branch summer kickoff party. Um, And I don't remember like what the specific theme was. I just remember how cool it was. They had all these really cool presenters. And I was like, I want to do that when I'm older. Um, So it's really fun to like come full circle. And now I'm planning the kickoff for my branch. And I get to help influence kids and make them really excited about learning and creating and reading. Because summer reading is not just about reading. Um, So yeah, this year is a little more like sentimental to me. Because it's coming full circle. And I get to do cool stuff and help plan things. So that's my little summer reading memo. <laughs> uh, so back home, I don't remember any, <clears throat> excuse me, type of summer reading at all at the libraries. I didn't know that was a thing until I actually moved to Utah and uh, I started working at the libraries. So um, I started out the city library and then I moved on to the county library. I think my favorite Um, part of it is actually when the little kids come up and they're so excited and they hand in their reading records and they're like, look, look how I colored that and look how I colored that and nothing's in the lines and everything's all over the place, but they're so happy and you can't help but be happy and joyous and do a little dance with them and like show them what they get and which book they got. I think that's my favorite part. Just just the pure joy that people have when they come back and they accomplish something and you get to be a part of it. I get it. I get to be a part of it. Reading. So when I was in library school, uh, one of the things that I talked about a lot in one of my classes was how much we as librarians do things just because that's the way it's always been done and not because we have any sort of like evidence that it's actually doing good. It's just... It's what we've done, so we keep doing it. Um, And one of the examples they used for this was summer reading. We keep doing summer reading, but we don't actually know if it's doing any good. So a few years ago, I don't remember how many now, um, the county library actually partnered with, I believe, the University of Utah to do a study to see 
what effect summer reading had on the summer slide. So, Nissa, can you tell us about this study? Yeah, I have to get my other acronym right. There's lots of acronyms. There are <laughs> so many. Uh, that's part of working in libraries, right? Yes. Yeah. It's pretty true. This is why I don't remember the names of anything. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yes. Thank you, uh, Mika. So, I don't remember how many years ago it was either. Uh, maybe about three years ago. We partnered with the Utah Education Policy the Utah Education Policy Center at the University of Utah. And they are a research center, basically. So they will work with any organization that wants to study um, whatever it is that they have in mind to study. And we wanted to know if our summer reading program really was having an impact on that summer slide I was talking about. So whether... so. Our methodology was we partnered up with a couple schools in Granite School District. We actually distributed surveys directly in the schools as well as in the library. And the UEPC was able to work with Granite School District to get the uh, Dibble scores that matched up with those surveys. So we took a look at all these surveys, some kids who participate in the summer reading program, some kids who did not set foot in the library at all. And through this um, study, they did discover there was a correlation between participation in our summer reading program and test results. And it was... Um, so they did discover that there was a, significant, a statistical significant kids who participated in our program. Their scores not only stayed consistent through the fall or through the summer. So you end with a certain score in the spring and you want to come back to in the fall and at least be like on the same level, right? And what we find is that a lot of kids, especially uh, – especially kids who don't have access to a lot of summer learning opportunities, their scores don't stay steady. In fact, they drop. So we were able to find that kids who participated in the summer reading program, their scores actually went up. And this was regardless of socioeconomic or where they were, um, you know, any other of the factors that might have been influencing that, just by by participating in our program, those scores went up. So we're very proud of that. <laughs> uh, it doesn't, you know, we, we joke a lot through this that it's fun and you should do it because it's fun. And that's also part of what makes it successful because when you have assigned reading or you have assignments, it's like, how did we all react to that? Like assignment. Like, I don't want to do that. I'm not engaged with that. Uh, but when you let kids pick their own book and pick their own activities, now they're invested in the process and they're engaged with it. And uh, and then they learn. Yay! And then their test scores go up. So everybody's happy. Do you know, is that study available somewhere online for people to go look at? I don't think we published it, like, on the website. It is... A public document. Um, it might be available through the Utah Education Policy Center's website, um, and we can also make it available for those who want to read the study. 
email. There's you have an email. Yes. So if you if you want to see the study, um, if we find a link to it on the web, we'll put that in the show notes. And if we don't, feel free to email us shelvespodcast at slclibrary.org, and we will send you a copy. All right. <laughs> I think that's everything. I think so. Yeah. So thank you, everyone, for joining us. If you have any comments or questions for us, feel free to email us at shelvespodcast at slcolibrary.org. We release new episodes monthly. You can find the podcast wherever it is you listen to podcasts. We're everywhere. Yay! (laughs) Uh, Please share us with your friends and family. We want everybody to hear what we have to say because the library is cool. And we're cool. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And thank you, Nissa, for being our guest. Thank you for coming. You're Mm -hmm. our first guest. Thank (laughs) you for having me. I feel honored. And next month, we'll be talking about Juneteenth. And we'll have a guest, uh, Winter Storm. She's a black queer poet from Utah. So I'm excited. Should be interesting. Mm -hmm. All right. That's it for today. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Bye. Bye.